So initiation is so important for therapists to think about. And the problem I often have in the TA world, by the way, is the concept about rescuing. Yes. Versus uh, initiation. So many, you know, pardon me, some TA therapists might be listening and shouting now. But anyway, those therapists that talk about rescuing, oh, we can't initiate, we can't um, XXX because that could be seen as rescuing. We demystify what goes on behind the therapy room door. Join us on this voyage of discovery and co-creative conversations. This is The Therapy Show, Behind Closed Doors podcast, with Bob Cook and Jackie Jones. Welcome back to the next episode, episode 78 of The Therapy Show, Behind Closed Doors, with myself, Jackie Jones, and the ever-present Mr. Bob Cook. So this one, what we're going to be talking about, Bob, I think is really interesting. It's understanding the importance of working with unmet relational needs in therapy. Absolutely. And just before I start on that, I, I realised, and I was talking off air to Jackie, that I'm in a very yellow room because the screen appears quite yellow in front of me. But then she said, <clears throat> Jackie said, perhaps I was in this way, I was sitting underneath the light or not underneath the light. But either way, if it's if it's a bit yellow, uh, forgive me. But let's move on to the, the the subject. Now, you know, when people come in, when clients come into um, my therapy room or Jackie's therapy room or any of the therapy rooms, if you like, um, that they, they come with problems in life. They're usually about functioning, um, either themselves and their quality of life is diminished or communication has broken down with their partners or other people or friendships or work um and that's usually why they've come to therapy or they've come to therapy because of tremendous trauma and neglect or had a history which has not helped them be the way they want to be in life today um so they've come into the therapy room and if part of this when you do the formulation and the analysis uh therapists will be looking at how the past affects the present and when we talk about the past what we're talking about is how are how how we've grown up and how we survived and how we've adapted to get our needs met and how that has played out today uh with relationships friendships and in fact in the therapy room so we may so any therapist will be making analysis and formulations about that and one of the things i always look for is um relational needs in other words um when the person's growing up as the younger self how how you know has their basic needs for security for example for safety um for definition for uniqueness been met have that been um stroked or has that been accounted for because if those basic needs for security for safety for definition from a positive other for mutuality hasn't been met then we grow up deprived yeah and usually our mental health has been really affected um so i'm always looking for how a person has got by in life early on especially if those basic needs um for security and safety 
hasn't been met. I mean, your job, <clears throat> I don't know if you still do, Jacoby, you used to foster a lot of, you yeah. were a foster, weren't you? Yeah. And, so, so, you know, I don't know what age group you dealt with either. What I do know is that you will have attended almost automatically, um, hopefully from your own positive parenting, you will have been uh, very aware of helping them have a secure environment, a safe place to be able to play in. Yeah. Um, ha helping them uh, be around people who have been on the same journeys as themselves, um, looking at um, self-definition, these sorts of things. And that's what I mean by relational needs. Yeah. And then you will help them um, meet, help those needs be met, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. I think I was still fostering when I started my um, psychotherapy training. And I can remember feeling full of hope <laughs> when I was doing it because we learned that, you know, if our relational needs weren't met when we were younger, that through therapy and connection and all those sorts of things, that we can learn how to get our needs met as an adult. So it's kind of like filling in those missing blocks from our early childhood. Mm. Yeah, so relational needs, just spell them out again, the basic ones are for security. So when you talk about security, that means a person has a secure, safe place to be able to express themselves, to be able to feel safe to be themselves in, to not feel that they're being threatened or uh, persecuted or they haven't got a home to be in. So, you know, how that translates into the therapy room is that if the therapy isn't doesn't take place in a secure setting, that means where there's confidentiality, where the doors are closed, where um, the place has got a safe place in it for people to be in, then therapy won't happen. Yeah. Effectively, because yeah. the client will feel scared and closed down. So if a person has been brought up where they don't feel secure in just being in life, they will grow up defending against that. In other words, they'll grow up usually repressing part of themselves because they haven't been in a secure environment to allow themselves to be themselves. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, why I thought of fostering is because, and this may be a, a miscomprehension, so just let me know, but when I think of people who'd be you know, fostering kids, whatever age particularly, the children that you're going to foster by definition, and please tell me if I'm incorrect, are going to be people who usually have um, been in situations of perhaps high neglect mm -hmm. or situations where they've been abandoned or situations where they've had lots of grief yeah. or situations where they haven't felt secure or situations where there's been attachment ruptures. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, 100%. Everyone, yeah. Mm. And, you know, we, we foster mainly teenage boys, but it was quite difficult to get underneath that because they would often come out fighting and it was misconstrued, do you know what I mean? A lot of it was anxiety and, and exactly what you're saying, feeling unsafe. So when you say, when you say coming out fighting, I think you mean resistance to attachment. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, literally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm going to be the one that is in control here. I'm not going to connect or get attached to you because you're going to abandon me. You're going to go just like everybody else has. And so they so so their relational need for a significant other person is not there. Yeah. So so they grow up in an alien world. In other words, what I mean by that is they've had to become a self-reliant loner, and they've closed down. And they don't expect a person to stay around and show them any um, care, consideration and love. So they fight against the attachment. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, so for me, consistency was <clears throat> was what I was doing. You, you know, the, the same things over and over and just being consistent. And particularly, you know, I can remember with one, if I said I was going to be there to pick him up at half past three, I literally had to be there at half past three or before. Yeah. So you are helping them meet the meet the unmet relational need for a caring, secure, safe other that will stay around. Yeah. Yeah. Because if that hasn't been met, then they have real they may have real problems when they grow up. Uh, and having relationships with other people, friendships, lovers, carers, whatever you like, because yeah. they won't expect a secure attachment yeah. relationship. They'll expect the opposite, yeah. which is abandonment and neglect. So they'll lack trust. They lack the they'll lack the basic relational needs to be successful in relationships. Yeah. So you're helping them meet a need uh that hadn't been met before for from consistency and security and safety and loving from a person who'd stay around yeah this is what i mean when we talk about relational needs because if these haven't been met or attended to then the person adapts the only way they know uh how to and in your the way you spoke a moment how i said they come out fighting in relationships yeah really they're fighting to be not in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's, I think this is why I, I love the rela relational needs because, you know, ultimately that's what we all want is our needs to be met. Mm. You know, and being aware that we all have, you know, needs and it's how each individual goes about getting them met because our behaviour is different so we all kind of display it in a unique way if that makes sense yeah it's very much sense and i think it really translates into the therapy room yeah because if the therapist can think about the things we are talking about and think about the attachments issues and think about the ruptures to attachment then they will understand not only the healing that needs to take place but how to work with the client um to get a healthy attachment yeah now i think you only get that by the way i think you only get the healthy attachment if you attend to the relational needs that haven't been met mm -hmm. yeah because otherwise they come out very guarded in your words fighting maybe but yeah. you could also say those clients come and presented very withdrawn very cut off fragmented parts of the self 
and healthy attachment with the therapist will take a long time unless the therapist thinks about i think these things in the clinical way we're talking here yeah and i i agree it's it's you know there's, there's a lot of testing goes on in the therapy room you know by the client that you know can i trust you when you say and you behave in a certain way because for me it's about i know i said consistency but a lot of the things around safety and security is about inconsistent parenting you know, parents that dip in and dip out or that aren't emotionally available for you. That, you know, not saying it just happens with foster kids. You can live in a normal, you know, family, but yet your parents not be emotionally available for you. So you don't feel safe and secure. No. And if those relational needs aren't attended to, mm. <clears throat> and we have a perfect ground for poor mental health. Yeah. Unfortunately yeah now it, this is really important for therapy it's really important for a therapist to think the way we are talking because they need to give the client a second chance yeah healthy way yeah and not see their behavior as um, pathological in some way yeah for me you know, one of the things I learned quite early on with the fostering is that, you know, often people use behaviour as a way of communication. It's about looking what's behind the behaviour, not it on face value. Because, yeah, with the fostering, there was a lot of hate and a lot of venom there. But it's what's behind that. What are they trying to communicate with me? You know, they are feeling unsafe. They don't trust me. You're right, and one of the, the pivotal jobs for any therapist is to decode the language of the client. Yeah, which can be really difficult because there's so many layers to it. It's a protection <laughs> mechanism, a lot of it. Mm. And of course, but if you don't think this way, if you don't think about attachment theory, if you don't think about relational need theory, then it's harder. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, basically it's more it's more hard, it's more difficult for the therapist. Yeah. And like you said, I know you just touched on it at the beginning about you know what 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 we got recognition for when we were growing up. If what we got recognition for was, you know, by being, you know, stoic and taking care of ourselves and not being demanding and not looking for our needs to be met, then that's the behavior that we're going to show as an adult. 100%. That's absolutely. And, you know, I, 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 I had a pretty difficult history and I went into therapy myself from a very lost position um, at 34. And, you know, if I hadn't gone to therapy, um, I don't think I would have had much chance uh, for healthy, consistent relationships. And I certainly wouldn't be the person that I am today. Yeah. But it took the therapist to have an understanding of the things we're talking about to to really make the first steps to initiate um, the the lost child inside myself. Yeah. So initiation is so important for a therapist to think about, 
And the problem I often have in the TA world, by the way, is the concept about rescuing. Yes. Versus yes. initiation. So many, you know, pardon me, some TA therapists might be listening and shouting now. But anyway, those therapists that talk about rescuing, oh, we can't initiate, we can't um, XXX because that could be seen as rescuing. Um, well, I think I want to give a plea for initiation. Mm. That doesn't mean I don't understand the concept of rescuing, but I also think so many lost younger selves in the client, if you like, never get reached. Yeah. And the therapist initiates because I think initiation is is really, really important and vital. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah otherwise the client stays lost all the time yeah if you can wait you can wait forever for the scared child to come out but yeah. if you you could wait a thousand years jackie yeah i agree i agree yeah but it it's a way of you know encouraging self-esteem and self-worth and everything in the other person if we initiate the connection yeah mm -hmm. Even if it's only to say, how are you? What's happening inside? I experienced you as quite quiet. And I was wondering, what are you thinking at the moment? Or what are you feeling at the moment? And, you know, what's happening in your world? Just those transactions yeah. are initiative, yeah. are, are initiating, or at least the potential of a conversation. Yeah. External one, I mean, yeah. as opposed to yeah. an internal one. Yeah. And for the client to feel seen and heard, that you that's goes a million miles in the therapy room if they've not had it in the past. If it, often it feels uncomfortable to start off with, but the more it's done, the more normal it becomes, which that's what we want in relationships to be seen and heard and valued and all those things. And a really big one is love. Yeah. The the relational need to express love. Yeah. Now. When I talk about love, I love can be simply uh, a caringness to say, how are you? What's happening for you? Yeah. Oh, where, where are you at the moment? You know, it doesn't have to be, I'm going to marry you. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm talking about care, love by intent, if not expression. Uh, they're, they're things which I hope anyone listening here will take account of in the therapy room. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it is, it's a build-up. It's not like throwing this all at the clients in the first sessions. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's going to be overwhelming for them. But, again, it's about being mindful of that throughout. Yeah, to have a clinical thought and to think about attachment theory, to think about unmet relational needs to think about security think about safety to think about self-definition to think about permissions to think about mutuality to think about the expression of love to think about all these things perhaps the child never had yeah so we can think about how we can address that yeah it's it is such an important template for the therapist i believe yeah me too i i love the the relational needs and looking at you know the impact of not having them and how I, I know I said it earlier how 
uniquely we defend against that or adapt our own behavior in search of that that's a bit what you've just said that and the vain hope that there can be some positive connection yeah if you've never had that positive connection you know what takes place of that positive connection by the way is in as an inward longing that gnaws away gnaws away and you know maybe hope is very dangerous and wonderful world but i think that yearning yeah desire for something positively different to take place of that you know that destruction inside is um is important yeah a therapist to think about yeah yeah and you know this is <clears throat> it's a need that we all have it's not a want it's not a desire it's it's okay. an innate need in us to have connection to have this yeah yeah to sound have somebody to care about what's happening on the inside to have somebody to care about putting in place a safe environment to to uh put an emphasis on security to put an emphasis on what's happening for you at the moment and to help put uh, and to think about safe environments and then we can start thinking about self-definition because if somebody has been if somebody has been defined by the other person all their life little self-esteem has gone out the window yeah yeah and self-worth and self-love and self-everything really yeah yeah, yeah. you become a self-reliant loner because or you you know you said going out fighting that could one be one way but you've never been never been allowed the space to define yourself whatever that means for the client then you usually actually withdraw yeah yeah and we saw that as well to me that was harder to manage as a foster carer than when they came out you know spitting feathers and, and aggressive and everything because at least there was a connection there, even if it was an aggressive, angry connection. But when when a child completely withdraws and there's nothing, it's very, very difficult to try and make a connection. Or well, yes, and I, I think, it, yeah, there, there's nothing, or stroke and Jackie, there appears there's nothing. Yeah. I think it's important for the therapist to always have in the mind that even though you know the lack of connection the passivity the appearingness of nothing doesn't mean there isn't nothing no no but i hear what you're saying because for i hear completely what you're saying because it, it, at least if somebody's giving you something like you just talked about then connection has a chance yeah if the client as a business well i'm not going to give you anything and withdraws so much into themselves connections are much harder yeah but i tell you the way through through is initiation 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 now of course i understand that the other person might feel that it's overwhelming overwhelming and retreat further but it's initiation step by step yeah yeah 
it, it's interesting because I, I was thinking when you were saying that about you know if if the person is completely withdrawn and shut down in the therapy room it the, the big step is that they actually came to therapy in the first place yeah. do you know what i mean it's because otherwise they wouldn't have made the appointment they wouldn't have turned up so there's, there's definitely a you know a feeling of, of need and want for connection for them to do it mm. absolutely absolutely there is yeah it's such an interesting topic it really is and and like i said it's it's you know for me it's about the hope that it can you know the building blocks can be put back in place over time oh you know 100 percent they can but there needs to be the i believe there needs to be the motivation energy and desire by the therapist yeah. to go the extra mile and not yeah. give up on the yeah because it's not about us in the therapy room no do you know what I mean sometimes it is really difficult when you're not getting anything back from a client you know that you're racking your brains and take it personally and all those sorts of things but we've got to get our ego out of the way because it's not about us in the therapy room Hmm. you couldn't have said a more wise sentence construction and even though it takes me a long time and I, to move my ego out you are totally correct because um unless i can do that uh, what i mean by that is not making assumptions yeah for example um checking things out with what's happening with the other person that's the way forward yeah what an interesting conversation, Bob. Yeah, and you know, it's probably, I just hope people listening um, can reflect and think about the template we're talking about because it, it, it will really be in service of the client, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I think attachment theory and relational needs, um, I know Richard Erskine, who I was trained by a lot um, in my later years, um, talks a lot about relational needs and has written a lot about eight specific relational needs, which I've mentioned on this podcast. And if you put Richard Erskine, you'll, we've written nine books and many of them talk about relational needs. But, you know, within that is also attachment theory. And without thinking about templates this way, then you won't, you'll, you you will feel like I don't know what templates you would think about, but thinking about attachment theory and thinking about relational needs gives you a, a different perception of way of thinking about things. Yeah. Um, in service of the client, which is what we're talking about here. Um, yeah. And it's the basic of very like you know from the moment we're born, it's all about getting our needs met. That's you know literally it's from the minute we pop out that's our sole purpose in life to survive and get our needs met you are correct and it takes two yeah yes that that is the important part yeah that is the important part i've watched many of richard attenborough's programs i think the one that i'm watching was called frozen planet two yes yeah and it was what it was about the arctic it was about how you know babies survive 
in the most amazingly hostile conditions. But, and this is it, they don't survive without the help of the mother and the father yeah. in some ways. Now, if the same, so we've transferred to what we're talking about here, the baby comes out, yes, for mental health, for all the things we're talking about, emotional health, we need the significant other people to pay attention care and love and everything as we've been talking about so the baby can thrive yeah if some of those processes are missing the client adapts to attempts to find those needs to be met in some way if not they'll go inside protect themselves and part of their own vitality and emotional health will be severely damaged in life yeah yeah it is and it, it's it's so important like you said you know if you have this at the back of your mind mm, mm, and mm. you know I, I completely agree with what you were saying earlier on about you know initiation slash rescuing Mm. you know what I mean is that a, a healthy thing to do in therapy or not and I'm 100% with you on that mm. Mm. wonderful podcast yes another one you do come up with some wonderful titles well, I've got I the think... next one here we're quite organized <laughs> I'm laughing because often often you you have these podcasts say what are we going to talk about next Bob oh well, I know uh I, I will have it as a surprise so anyway let's cut through that what is the next one? The next one is therapy, past, present, and the future. Oh wow! I've so that's a. I must say myself, that's a wonderful title. They're all <laughs> wonderful, and you come up with every single one of them, Bob. Yeah, I just like that one anyway. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. Episode seventy nine: therapy, past, present, and the future. Did I hear that correct? Did you say seventy nine? Seventy nine. Well, my God, I don't know when we actually started these podcasts, but that's that's I, I'm quite I'm quite proud of us there. Shall I tell yeah. you when we started it? When was it? We, it was seventy nine weeks ago. Next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I'm I'm even more proud of ourselves. Then. Yes, yes, it is. Right, until next time, Bob. Thank you so much. Yeah, take care. Bye bye. Take care. You've been listening to the Therapy Show. Behind Closed Doors podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. We'll be back next week with another episode.